How many of you were here last week for Pastor Doug? He's, we're starting a series called MVP, and it's in reference to mission, vision, passion. Um, but how many MVPs, most valuable players, do we have in the house? How many? Well, nobody's raising their hand. Uh, yeah. Everybody is an MVP or most valuable. Why? God really does love you. Did you know that? And you are his, shh, shh, don't say, you're, you're his favorite. You're his favorite. So this week, last week we talked about mission. And this week we're going to talk about vision and values. And so I want to start with a scripture in John chapter 1, verse 14. And fabulous scripture, it, it really identifies who this Jesus is and what he's all about. It says, the word, Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. And when you said yes to Jesus, he moved into the neighborhood. He moved into your life. 1 John 4, 4 says the greater one dwells in you. So you have the greater one living in your life. Guess what? You're never alone. You're never alone. I just want to reiterate that. You're never alone. He's always there. No matter what storm, situation, circumstance, predicament you're in, he is there with you and will get you through it. Remember, the scripture says, this too shall come to pass. That's good, isn't it? That, you could almost preach that. That's how good that is. This too shall come to You're going to get through it. Now think about this. How many situations in your past that he got you through that you're looking back and going, wow, he got me through it? <laughs> A lot. Guess what? He's going to do the same thing in your life moving forward. That's the God that we serve. So I just want to take a moment to pray, and then we're going to dig into this word today. Father, we thank you so much for the power of your spirit that is truly alive in this house today. And Father, for the, the, the worship time, your spirit moved in profound ways. You've already started to do a deep work in the hearts of your people here today. And so, God, as we allow this word that we're going to hear today to seep into our hearts and recognize your call upon our lives to fulfill your purpose for our lives, we're blessed and thankful. Father, I pray that you would, by your spirit, so saturate us today that our ears would be open, our eyes would begin to see, and our hearts would be melted within us to receive what it is you have for us. That when we walk out of here, we are walking out of here with a deep desire to see our world transformed by the word of God through our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Mission is what fuels vision, which fuels passion. When you understand what your mission is, and you really understand your mission, you, you get a clear picture of the vision that God has for you, it's, it's easy to walk that out because it's clear, it's, it's understood. And that's why our pastors and leaders in this house constantly, constantly, constantly remind me, remind us and me why we're here. Why do we exist as a body of believers? 
Why, what's God's call upon our lives? What's the future look like? What is it that God wants to do in us so that this Grays Harbor County will come to know Christ? That's what it is truly all about. Here's the bottom line. As long as there's people who don't know Jesus, the church is in business. And until the last person finally gives up, gives in, and says, yes, we got a job to do. <laughs> right? We've got, there's, there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus yet. And guess what? They cross our paths every day. You just need to ask yourself the question, are you the sower of the seed? Are you the one who waters? Or are you the one that gets the opportunity to, at that one conversation that says, hey, do you know Jesus? No, but I've been thinking about him, and I don't know what to do. Guess what? You get to pray for them. You don't have to wait to bring him here. You can actually do it out there. You know? And say, yes, I'm going to pray for you. I mean, how many times have you heard the salvation prayer up here? <laughs> uh, you got it pretty much memorized. And guess what? You don't even have to do the exact words. It's not a formula. It's from the heart. Isn't that true? Yeah. Now, here's our mission. And this is so true. We exist to help people live, love, and look like Jesus so their world will want Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to live in our lives in such a way that he projects through us and people look at us and say, what's up with you? What is that all about? I was talking to someone just before the second service and they, they said they, they were working and, and this person said, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. And they just said, well, I know Jesus. Oh, <laughs> but you know what? It's from that point on, just living it out because the cat's out of the bag, <laughs> right? So here we go. I want to set the stage for the scripture that we're going to look at. Jesus' ministry is beginning to wind down. He's been confronting the religious spirit all along the way keeps showing up at their Sabbath gatherings in the synagogue and saying stuff the religious leaders don't like, confronting them, healing on the Sabbath day. And they're getting really upset. And they keep trying to trap him in everything he says. But it always fails. And this is no different. Here we have the Sadducees, the scribes, and the Pharisees and they've confronted him. They're asking him all these questions. And this one lawyer gets bold. says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this guy. I'm going to confront him. I'm going to ask him a very strategic question. And here's the picture. Now picture this with me, if you will, in 22, 36 through 40 of Matthew. It says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, now what you need to understand is he's literally quoting out of, out of three chapters of Deuteronomy when he says this. In Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 10, and Deuteronomy 30, and here's what Jesus says. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, this is the first and great commandment. And then out of that, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the promises. And of the prophets, of the prophet. It all hangs on that idea, is that we love God with everything within us, right? And out of that love, we have a mission. 
How many of you have someone in your life you know you're supposed to love, but they make it rather difficult? (laughs) Okay, maybe there's more than one. But you know that God says to love, to love God and love your neighbor. Jesus takes it a step further. He says, love your enemy. Pray for them. Really? Well, so here's the deal. Guess what? You don't have to do that in your own strength. Aren't you glad? You just allow him to love them through you. In fact, someone came up to me after first service and they said, you know, God dealt with me about that. And I was, they kind of were arguing with God. I don't know if any of you have ever done that. You'll never win the art. If you do, you better look over your shoulder or something. But he says, God, how do I do that? God said, you just let me love them through you. Oh. So let God's love come through you to those that are really difficult to get along with. And watch what God does. And here's the deal. God will change your heart. And you'll begin to love them yourself genuinely. Now, I want to set the stage for the next scripture. We've now moved on to the end of Matthew. Jesus has been crucified. He's now meeting with his disciples. They're on top of a mountain. And here's what he says to them. With the understanding that they know they need to love God with everything that's in them and then love others, he says, and Jesus came in verse 18 and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. He says, now watch, you're not alone. He says, and lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. So we're never alone. So we, we, we understand that we need the great commandment to fulfill the great commission. Here's the key. You'll never be effective in the great commission unless you stand on the great commandment. The great commandment is the platform for ministry. So how do we do that? Well, it starts with love God. It's where your mission and vision come from. You start with recognizing that God loved you first, right? It's, listen, here's the deal. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, which all of us were. Every one of us were there. And he interrupted your life, thankfully. You said yes, he stepped in, and he's made a difference in your life. I am so glad God interrupted my life. I am so glad because I would not be here if it wasn't for that. In fact, I wouldn't be on this planet the way my life was going. And Jesus stepped in, and I saw how awesome he was, and I said yes, and it's been a journey and an amazing adventure ever since. So God loves us, and then we love him, and then we love people. It comes out of your love for God. I love you so much, Father. Help me to love others. Help me to love my enemy. Help me to love those that are difficult to love because I know that's the way you would want it. And I, we need to recognize that whether I, they're, they're, they may be absolutely horrendous people, but God still loves them, doesn't he? I mean, think about it. We look in the mirror and think we're so lovable sometimes. I'll move on. So the vision, vision 
is where we're going to fulfill our mission. You know, a church, have you, any of you ever, ever watched the flow of a glacier? Yeah. It doesn't really flow, does it? No. It just <laughs> sits there and it's kind of ice cold. That's how much fun church would be <laughs> if we weren't doing something. Getting outside the doors and being there, being available and doing something for the kingdom of God. It's kind of like, I don't know if you, well, in Grace Harbor, we kind of experience power outages quite frequently. And it's kind of fun in the middle of the night trying to find a flashlight and you push the button, nothing happens. And you pound it, hit it on the ground, shake it and realize there's no batteries. Well, guess what? It will not work without batteries and you will not work without the power of God in your life. That's what we need. That's what we get. So here's the deal. God's vision is the art of seeing invisible things and making them become visible. You have to see the future in order to deal with the present. You have to see it. And that's why I appreciate our pastors and our elders, leaders, constantly reminding us, here's why we're here. We're not us four and no more. It's not about the gathering, although the gathering is a very, very important thing. It's about the harvesters going out into the field, ministering the word of God so that people can hear and come to faith in Christ. That's what it's all about. It's all of us doing our part. So his vision is what enables leaders in the church to see over all the obstacles in the fog. In other words, you know where you're going. You know what the destination is and what it's going to look like all this surrounding stuff at that point doesn't matter. It's peripheral stuff. It doesn't, I'm just going to go because I know where I'm going. Yes. You know, you, you've got a destination you have to be at. There's going to be a stoplight or a stop sign or a situation. You, you just, okay, I'm just going to wait for a second. I know where I'm going, right? I mean, that's what it's all. You know where we're going. We as a church know where we're going. We know what it's all about. We know our goal is to see Grace Harbor one for Jesus Christ. His vision is what creates spiritual momentum, creating spiritual advancement, and is maintained by spiritual warfare. In other words, we've got our marching orders. We know what God's called us to do. And we know that God's calling people to this house constantly. Right? We've got very gifted people in the house that God has called. Last week, I don't know if you know this, but this is so amazing, and I was so blown away in first services. One hand went up after another, and all of a sudden, people literally, it was so cool, started to cheer. We had 14 people say yes to Jesus last week. Come on, that's, that's good news. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you literally, those of you who are here or seeing online, you saw a miracle happen last week. You actually experience a birth because a person went from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. They, they were born again into the kingdom. They went from darkness to light. They went from lost to found. They went from hopeless to hopeful. That is what it's all. And so when, when people say yes to Jesus, that's what it is all about. And then once they say yes, it's now we're discipling them so that they can find out what God has created them for. They're actually connecting with their true purpose. You really don't find your true purpose until you find the one who gives you that purpose, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Amen. Give God a hand. That's worth it. So... 
God has called us to live out the great commandment and the great commission. But then he's called us to fulfill them by having his vision. Listen to what Francis Assisi said. This is amazing. Give up your small ambitions. Come, save the world. <laughs> there you go. I know what I'm doing. Isn't that amazing? Give up those small things, that little stuff. Let's save the world. Well, okay, let's start with give up your small thinking and let's just save Grace Harbor. Well, then let's break it down. Just give up your small thinking and watch your neighbor get saved. Amen. Amen. Now, here's a fabulous scripture in Proverbs 29:18. It says, if people can't see what, is God, what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Isn't that a good word? It's, it's when you really got clarity on where God's taking you, all the other stuff is just peripheral. All the other stuff doesn't matter. This next scripture we're going to look at in just a moment, I just want to kind of give you a, kind of set the stage for this. It's in the, have any of you read the book of Habakkuk? Any of you? Okay. Read it again. Uh, it's three chapters, not that long. But when you read it, it's kind of like reading tomorrow's newspaper. And it starts off with a very discouraged, disconcerted prophet who's confronting God. This God, and this, to, to understand the history of it, it was during the time that Judah was about ready to be completely overrun and conquered. Josiah's kingship was pretty much over, and all the height of what Josiah had done was beginning to diminish because the people began to turn their backs against God. You know, a nation never fares out well when you turn against God. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That's what it says. Blessed. Well, I could say, blessed is the family whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the person whose God is the Lord. And so we have this picture, and Habakkuk is, is, is confronting God with two questions. And he, he's like, God, if you look around, there's violence, corruption, the judges are corrupt. We have all these evil things happening, and we're about ready to be invaded. Where are you? And God answers the first question with, look around and see what I'm doing. You got your eyes in the wrong place. When we get our eyes in the wrong place, guess what? That's where discouragement is. That's where depression comes from. Why? Our eyes and our thoughts are in the wrong place. We need to get our eyes back on the one who's in charge. And when we get our eyes on the one in charge, all of a sudden, God begins to reveal stuff to you that you didn't see before. And so here's, here's Habakkuk. And then he asks the second question. And you enter into chapter 2, after he asks the question, he, sa- he climbs up into a tower, and he says, I'm just going to wait to see where I'm corrected for the question I just asked this amazing God. And then, here's what he says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. He says, and then God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision or message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. 
If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will only, it will come right on time. Now, what's interesting is that if you study through that book, the key for that, and you find it not only in Habakkuk, but you find it in the New Testament, it's this. The just, in verse 4, when you look at it, shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Guess what? You and I must live by faith. We can't live by feelings. How many of you know feelings are quirky? You can feel totally and incredibly born again, spirit filled on fire, and wake up the next morning and wonder what truck ran you over in the middle of the night, <laughs> thinking, I, what, what happened? And then it's like all of a sudden tears because, like, God, did you leave me? I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. Get over it. Well, I don't know if he would say that. Well, maybe he would. He said it to me. But how many of us, you know, our emotions are, are finicky? Everywhere. In a single day. I mean, you can be on Mount Kilimanjaro in the morning and in Death Valley in the afternoon. But God's still God, isn't he? Are you getting a picture? The just shall live by faith. So our vision is how we fulfill our mission, which is, number one, here we go, know Jesus. That's what it's all about, know Jesus, get to really know him. Our heart is to help people know Jesus, no matter what background that they come from. Another way to say it is we are called to help heal broken people. Every single one of us in this room, without exception, was broken. Without exception. It may have looked a little different, but it's still broken. And here's what I love about God. God breaks our brokenness and makes us whole. Doesn't he? He breaks our brokenness and makes us whole. It's so cool when God enters into a person's life and brings them into wholeness. And they, I, I didn't know life could be like this. Well, yeah, when you reach out to Jesus, guess what? He puts you back together again. That is so cool. God not only heals the brokenness in people's lives, but he restores their authority. He restores our authority, which helps us find freedom. This is what, it, when people come to Jesus, they find freedom. It's the only place you can find it. But people are looking everywhere to try and find it. They're trying to fill that God-shaped void with everything but what really belongs there. Look at this scripture. It says, now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And people don't come to true liberty until they come to Christ. And when Christ comes into a person's life, that's when they really experience true liberty. And in John chapter 8, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, notice it says he's the truth. If the, tru the truth is who sets you free. So the truth isn't a concept. The truth is a person. And it's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can give you true freedom. Amen? You were created by God to walk in dominion and freedom and to never be a slave to sin. Now, let me stop here just quickly and say this. 
If you've read through uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which is called the Pentateuch, the first five, five, not five, five books of the Bible, and you see how the children of Israel ended up down in Egypt, which was supposed to be a temporary place just simply so they could survive the, the famine in the land, right? It was only a seven-year famine. 400 years later, they went from just being there temporarily to becoming slaves to the place that was supposed to be for provision. There's a picture there. And what's interesting is, as God was dealing with Moses to be the spokesperson to get them out of Egypt, how, no, how many of you know it was easier to get them out of Egypt than it was to get Egypt out of them? You know, we watch as people give their lives to Christ, and we love that, obviously. They've come out of bondage. They come out of addictions, name it. They've come out all these things, and then they begin to rehearse and go back to their area of bondage. How many times did the children of Israel say, I just want to go back to Egypt where it's safe and secure? I want to eat leeks and onions. Uh, okay, but you were in slavery. You were in bondage. You were making bricks. Tell me, what's fun about that? God was delivering them. Now, how many of you would see the 10 signs that was done? There were 10 signs in Egypt. 10 amazing signs. You would think after seeing 10 signs that they'd get it. But guess what? How many signs have we seen? And we have a tendency to go back and forget and wonder, God, are you going to come through? Am I talking to the right group here? Yes. Okay, it's just me. I, I have to be reminded, Dan, stop. You're thinking on the wrong stuff. Figure it out. I am your God, and I will get you through this. I better move on. So after we found freedom, we're going to help you discover your purpose. And what is your purpose? Well, it's your shape. It's what God has made you to help you discover God's spiritual gifts that, that he's deposited in your life. We help you discover your heart passions. We help you discover your abilities, the natural abilities that God has given you. We help you discover your personality. Are you an extrovert, an introvert? And how has God um, used you in, in those personalities. It's interesting if you read through scripture, there's different kinds of personalities. You know, Moses was being forced to the forefront to lead 600,000 people out of bondage. Right. He didn't want the job. I wouldn't want that job. <laughs> he got so upset Rather than speaking to a rock, which is really weird, he struck the rock and God said, I'm going to show you mercy right now and water's going to come out and these people will not lynch you, but you're not going into the promised land. Isn't that sad? Yeah. How many times have 
does God have to keep reminding us of what he's brought us out of? I brought you out. I brought you out. Don't go back there. I brought you out. Move forward. Two. And then we help you see your experiences, how these experiences have helped you be shaped into the person God wants you to, uh, to use to help people come to Jesus. Yeah, that's your shape. That's how God's made you. And you're not, here's the deal. First of all, you're not an accident by birth. And you're not here by accident either. On purpose. Every single one of you are here on purpose. And every single one of you have a purpose. Do you know that? Listen, let me just throw this out there. Every, whether you know it or not, every single one of you are missionaries. Say, really? Uh-huh. Scripture says very clearly that you are ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone that represents the country they're from to another nation. When you said yes to Jesus, you transitioned to the kingdom of God's dear son. You are an ambassador telling people about the kingdom you're from, so they're going to want to be part of that kingdom. You're an ambassador everywhere you go. It's, get, here's the deal. God has placed you in whatever job or life situation you're in for a purpose. You're a teacher? Shine. Do you hear me? Shine. You work in law enforcement? Shine. You work, you have your own business? Shine. Every area and realm of life, God has called you in for a specific reason. Why? Well, I think the pastor should do it. Well, guess what? He's not a teacher that works at that school you're at. You're there. And you have the option, or not option, opportunity to share the word of God where you're at. Now, I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Everywhere you go, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. I'm just going to let that sink in. What do you mean? Live it out. And there's going to be times where God's going to drop a word and say, yeah, I need you to give that word to that person right now. And you go over and you share that word with them. And they're, how did you know? Well, God just spoke a word to me and I wanted to encourage you with it. And that'll be the thing that's going to set them on fire. Amen? Okay. Now, last but not least, make a difference. You realize that you're made with a purpose and God wants to release you to walk in the authority that the enemy has tried to steal from your life. So we walk in authority. There's so much more. You live to love God and love others. And out of that, you fulfill your kingdom assignment. It's out of that. God's called every single one of you. Well, my life's not all together. All of our lives are not together. Exactly. We're all in a journey. Becoming, we're becoming who Jesus has called us to be. So how do we do all this? How do we keep the mission and vision on track? Well, we do it by our core values. It's our 10 Gs. So I, I know that, you know, we just recently went from 3G to 5G. We're a 10G network here. Uh, we have been for quite a while. We're steps ahead of everybody else. We got a 10G network. This is our mission this is what keeps us moving forward, and it keeps us on track. These values keep us from looking into um, the right or the left, keeps our eyes on the mission to do what God has called us to do.
I got to quit yelling. My voice is disappearing. <clears throat> In fact, when you go down the hallway, you'll see on the walls... Um, all of our core values. It's all those things that are in the bottom of your notes. It's what we're called, our mission is what we're called to do. Our vision is what we see through the Holy Spirit and our values is what drives our culture. So how do we do? What are these 10 values? You see it on your notes. It's great faith. We are faith-filled, big thinking, dream big, bet the farm, risk takers, we will never insult God with small thinking and safe living. It's like, God, whatever you want to do, here I am, send me. Here we are, send us, Father. We are going to the lost, number two. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ, to reach people no one is reaching, and we'll have to do things that no one else is doing. God gives us wisdom and says, do this. How about marketplace ministry? Nobody was doing it. We started doing it, and look what God has done through Marketplace Ministry and other ministries he have. We're ministering to our neighbors and having gatherings. It's amazing. Gatherings is another one. Number three, we value the local church. It's the hope of the world, and we know at Harbor City Church we can accomplish far more together than we can apart. Groups. This is where real Christianity takes place. Now, some of you may be apprehensive because... You know, groups, you're not quite sure. Let me, let's go back to number one. <laughs> Great faith. Just take that step and you'll be glad you did. Getting involved in our city groups. <clears throat> this is where some deep caring and, and, and some amazing things happen. Because here's the deal. In our groups, we recognize nobody really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Isn't that true? When you lean into someone's life and really give them your full attention, that's when they know that you care about them. Growth, number three, or number five. We're spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. The church does not exist for us. Here's the deal. We are the church. It exists for the world. The church is not a building. I'm looking at the church. You know what? You're amazing. You look good. All y'all. <laughs> Generations. We value people of all ages, and I am so thankful for that. You know, I feel like I'm in my 20s, and I, I run like I'm in my 20s, and I, I move about like I'm in my 20s, and then I wake up. <laughs> and I look in the mirror... And I know my mirror is lying to me because I saw the vision. We value all the age brackets. Generosity. We lead. We will lead the way as a church and individuals. Crazy, radical faith inspired by Holy Spirit generosity. And that's true. <clears throat> as our pastor gave the breakdown of our financial picture and all the people that um, have been ministered to by this church and and the outpouring of generosity to the mission around the world, think of what the Lord has done through this house. It's so cool. Giving of our lives. We give up things we love for things we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice and serve Christ and his church. Number nine, godly character. We'll honor Christ and his church with integrity. 
This one's really, really important. If we live with integrity, nothing else matters. But if we don't live with integrity, nothing else matters. In fact, it really diminishes your effectiveness. Here's the last one, getting a charge out of life. How many of you know we have fun around here? We do. Sometimes at my expense, it's fun to watch. We will laugh hard, loud, and often. Nothing is more fun than serving God with people you love. Isn't that true? Let's stand. Yesterday was a pretty busy day. End of the day, Sean and I thought we would just sit down and watch something together and a friend of mine had told me about a series and I thought, well let's just give it a shot and I got 10 seconds into the series into the very first episode and in two sentences there's more superlatives than I'd ever want to and I went click I said I don't want to have to take a shower when this thing's over And so I turned it off. I turned that off, and I thought, well. So then I I found this thing, this movie, and I thought, that looks pretty good. And I clicked on it, and we started watching. How many of you have seen the movie The Mulligan? Anyone? Oh, my wife has. Yeah, my wife has. Oh, that's right. You were with me, right? (laughs) It's called The Mulligan. I highly recommend it. It's a story, and I won't give all the details, of a man who had a huge company, very, very, very successful, world domination type success, but his family was a wreck. His golf game was a great golf game until this one golf game on national television. He went in there with this mindset that don't tell me about golf, I know how I'm doing this. And he blew every drive, he ended up in the trees. He blew his putts, he ended up in the sand trap. And in fact, one point on national television, he got so mad, his putt didn't go in. He took his putter and broke it on his knee to which the commentator said let's see that again (laughs) his life was a shambles and one of the pros that was there said to him I have a man I need you to meet and so he meets this guy and I won't give any more details there but they made this, this statement in that movie and I will never forget it and here's what he said And I say that because, here's the deal, every one of us in this room need a mulligan. And if you don't know what a mulligan is, it means a do-over. It means that one went in the sticks. Can I hit another one? We need a mulligan. And here's the statement. Listen, let it seep into your heart. And this is, especially for those who are here, maybe you're not, you don't know Jesus yet. You need a mulligan. Here's what it says. Life is a very special occasion. Don't miss it. 
The only way you're going to know true life is to know the one who is life. Life is a very special occasion. Don't miss it. Let's bow and close our eyes. You're here this morning and you need a mulligan. You need a second chance. You need a third chance. And you have either you're coming back because you, you, your life kind of fell apart. You knew Jesus at one time. Or you're here and you've never known Jesus and you're just confused. You just want to make a recommitment. That's you. You need that mulligan all over the house. If that is you, I just want you to lift your hand up so I can see it and say, that's me. Okay, we got, oh, excellent. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Any others? Ten. Yes, that's what it's, uh, eleven. We got eleven people that are saying, I need that mulligan. I need that do-over. I want to make the best of life. That's what it's all about. So I want you to pray with me. Those We're going to pray together. Again, it's not a formula. It's a prayer to the Father. So pray this with me right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to come into my life and save me. I need a second chance. I need to be saved. I accept you in my heart. From this day forward, I will serve you as my king, my Lord, my boss, and my God. Today is the day I say yes to you. And my life shall make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Now let's give them a hand. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. You just experienced a miracle, folks. Amen. So I'm going to have the prayer team come forward if you want prayer uh, for anything, anything at all. If you raised your hand and you just want to solidify that decision, Great, come forward. We're going to sing another song and then we'll dismiss.